welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 2009's A Serious Man, directed by the Coen Brothers and starring Michael Stuhlbarg. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? I am uh, now full into the Filmstruck uh, interface, and I watched Diabolique. Oh, okay. Holy crap, dude. This is an awesome film, and it's a future episode. I can't wait to talk about this someday. Wonderful. Uh, what a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Are you going to spoil it for anybody, or um, let's wait? I, I think we'll have to wait, because <laughs> uh, like, like the, it is uh, it is so spoilery, uh-huh. you know, um, famously so. And everyone deserves to to go into this totally cold and and not be you know spoiled for it. So yeah. So so you've been warned. Yes. Uh, maybe we can do it in October. Uh, it's possible. Or we could do it before. It's who knows. <laughs> well, it's our show. I guess we can do what we like. I have it on Blu-ray. Awesome. And okay. I'll let you borrow the. Oh, you got film stroke. I don't yeah. know. All right. Speaking of uh, Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. I watched Jigokuman Gate yeah. of Hell. Wow. Okay. Is what the translation is. Uh, from uh, Tenosuke Kinugasa okay. from 1953. It's a wonderful uh, Japanese film. It takes place, I think it's in like the Sengoku period, you know, back when it was all feuding clans in Japan. Uh-huh. Uh, generals and samurais and things. It's wonderful. Yes. This movie is amazing. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. Gate of Hell is fantastic. Okay. Um, I loved it. Um, it really felt like a, almost like a Shakespearean type tragedy. I really, I just keep saying I loved it. Yeah. It was great. I don't want to spoil it, but it's about like a, this general who falls in love with a married woman and becomes obsessive about it um, and how their relationship kind of develops and then uh, the people around them, how they're involved with it. Uh, The visuals are great. It's in color and it looks wonderful. Um, And the story kind of goes in ways I didn't expect it to play out, Mm -hmm. especially for like a quote-unquote samurai film. It's yes. not really a samurai film. It's more of like a romantic drama in a way. Uh, but yeah, Gate of Hell is wonderful. Watch it if you like Japanese cinema. Japanese cinema in the 40s through the 60s, I mean, it, it doesn't get much better It than might that. be my favorite. Yeah. I, I love it. It's so awesome, and mm-hmm. it was just a... They were the best in the world for mm-hmm. a long time, and, and it didn't like stop in the 60s, but like that period is the golden age. Mm-hmm. You know? it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Everybody watch it. So now let's talk about A Serious Man, Dave. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Wow. Uh, this one's tough to, to like break down. Other than like if you... The, the Coen brothers know how to make a protagonist where we don't know if, if they can take much more of what they're up against. And mm-hmm. that's what we got here. It's a, it's a common refrain in Coen brothers' films. Um, but yeah, Larry Gopnik. It's 1967 in Minneapolis. And uh, he is being shat upon by everyone in his life. Uh, His kids, his wife, his neighbors, his students, his His fellow faculty. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Rabbis. They they all um, like are so almost sometimes unintentionally, sometimes not unintentionally really mean to this guy Mm -hmm. who like tries to take it in stride, but, but almost, but you know, Mm -hmm. like comes up against situations where he can't. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't wait to talk about this movie because I know we both love it. He's he's one of the most put upon characters I've ever seen. Yeah, and I mean, this movie is a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, through and through, and you can feel it in every second. <laughs> um, and what I be, mean by that is like if you've seen their movies, they kind of have a distinct 
tone you can sense in a lot of their films. Yes. I know they cover vast genre differences, but Mm -hmm. they all have this kind of feel to them. And this movie really encapsulates it. It it distills it Mm -hmm. into a nice pill form (laughs) that you can take. And it's wonderful. Agreed, man. Uh, Their style is as recognizable now as as any great artist. You know? Yeah. Um, And and, and like it's, it's easy to see right away. Yeah, and I think it Michael Stuhlbarg is great as this guy. Yeah. Um he's he's about to blow his stack it seems, but he never really does. Nope. Uh he's able to keep cool the whole time even though he's ready to just blow up. Yes. He This is how probably most maybe not all people, but most people at some point feel like the world is falling apart and they're just barely holding it together. <laughs> That's what we see happen to this guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> And and I mentioned about how it's like a common thing in in other Coen Brothers films, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, like they'll kind of do variations on it. When you watch Fargo, I mean, like Jerry Lundegaard, his his world falling apart is of his own making. Yeah, and he's a bad guy, and he's a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, when you watch Inside Lewin Davis, mm-hmm. uh, it, he's he's not as big of a jerk as Jerry Lundegaard, but he also brings some of it on himself. Right, exactly. This one, Larry. None of this is his fault. Right. You know, um, he just, for whatever reason, is one of these people who, like, God has chosen to, uh, like, treat like Job. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, the book of Job is, of course, a, a, a big theme in this film, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not too familiar with it. Oh, okay. Just so you know. That's fine. What's it about? So Job was a a, a, a good man among the, in the community. Mm-hmm. He, he was very wealthy. He had a lot of, a lot of sons and daughters, and um, he mm-hmm. was looked to as a leader and uh, he worshiped God properly Okay, and God favored him and Mm -hmm. Satan came to God and said, uh, what if you you think this guy would, um, would do what he does for you if I took all of his stuff away from him? Mm -hmm. And uh, God said, okay, go ahead let's see what happens. So Uh little by little, you know, all of his family dies, um, you know, all of his goats and everything gets Uh sick. He develops boils and is about to die and he's emaciated and he still, is faithful to God. Mm -hmm. Um, but then he asks God eventually, why are you doing this to me? And God tells him that's for me to know. Um, you don't, you can't comprehend my will. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the theme of the movie. Yes. Uh, he's trying to understand why this is happening to him. Right. Why would God do this to me? Uh huh. And he never gets an answer. And even the rabbis are telling him there is no answer. Right. Even though they're trying to give him some kind of answer, it's not helpful. Some kind of comfort. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, all, all the different rabbis give him different things, you know, <laughs> that still aren't very helpful to him. No. No, certainly not. Like, the first rabbi trying to use this parking lot analogy, and it's just not working. Where is this guy going with this? <laughs> I know. He's the young, like, understudy rabbi. Right. He's played by Simon Helberg. Yeah. Yeah, from Big Bang. Yeah, is that Big where Bang he's from? Theory. Yeah. yeah. And God, this guy, I don't like this guy, man. This guy is, he, he's got the fakest smile. It's a great performance. I know, but, that, man. That, you said the fake smile. Uh-huh. I mean, like, like he's got his head tilted slightly towards <laughs> his Larry. His eyes are big I and know. his teeth are out. <laughs> kind of like, he's uncomfortable. He's uh-huh. like, this is my first real test as a rabbi. <laughs> and I have to remember all this bullshit I have to spout at him. <laughs> and I wrote it down, like, he... To, to close out the scene of, of their, the main together, he goes, look at the parking lot, Yeah, he Larry. turns around and like points. 
His whole thing is like he's trying to, you know, and I've heard this argument before from men of the clergy, is you can see God in, in all things that you enjoy. Yeah. You know, which is true. I get it. Right. Um, but the parking lot is the <laughs> worst analogy you can make. He could have said anything. Right. Like, look at the trees. Yes. You know, a parking lot, the asphalt with potholes. Right. Like, what the? There's probably ringdings <laughs> in that drugstore across yeah. the street. You could have pointed to that. Yeah. The, I, I really love the absurdity yes. of that analogy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It kind of works, but it's, it's it's dumb. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I get what you're trying to get at, but that's not the part. <laughs> And, and I love, too, like, Larry just kind of sitting there, like, with that pasted smile on his face going, okay, this is supposed to be helpful, so I'll be polite. Yeah. You know, and I, I even though he wants to just, like, strangle this guy, like, like what? Right. I, I'm, t- I'm pouring out my heart here. My, my life is falling apart, and you're talking about parking lots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then even when he sees the next rabbi, uh, Jeffrey Tambor. He, it's not Jeffrey Tambor. It's not? I thought no. it was Jeffrey Tambor. Many people make that mistake. Who is it? It's George Weiner from uh, Spaceballs. Oh, my God. It's it Colonel is, Sanders. It's Colonel Sanders. You're Everybody right. confuses this dude I with Jeffrey I didn't even look Tambor. it up because I thought it was Jeffrey Tambor. I know. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know what? That makes sense because I didn't see his name in the credits. Right. <laughs> and I did see Weiner's. So. Okay. Yeah. My bad, folks. He's wonderful in this, he by is. the way. Yes. He's kind of snarky to him. And kind of condescending to Larry. Um, Very but, much so. But he's also kind of being helpful and polite in little moments. Is but he? I think he is I, in oh, okay. a couple of moments. Okay. But as soon as Larry says something else, he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you this story. Like, yeah. See, and that's what I don't like about him. They make the mistake of thinking they are they are wiser than you. Like, mm-hmm. I know that I'm coming to you for advice or I'm coming to you to, 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 you know, glean some kind of knowledge about the world, but you don't have to be a dick about it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you. We're yeah. equals. Don't, yeah. don't condescend to me and don't sigh when I, you know, like <laughs> want an interpretation of what you're trying to tell uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. Right. And the story he tells about the, uh, the goy's teeth. I love it. Man, it is really, really something. Yeah. It, it's about this dentist who finds... I guess it's in Hebrew on the back yes. of this guy's teeth. Right. Saying to help me. And it's a Gentile mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yep. Um, and so he's like trying to figure out what does it mean? Uh-huh. And it consumes him. And uh, he obsesses over this for a year or two. Yeah. I think he says. Understandably, if you ask and me. It, and his life falls apart because it's the only thing he's focusing on. Yes. And then once he decides to not worry about it anymore, his life is okay. Um, and and there, there, the, the point of the story is there is no answer. Uh-huh. to it, Things just happen. Um, and if you try to figure them out, you're not going to really get an answer. So why even try, I guess? Uh, but the way George Weiner is saying it is just like he's leading <laughs> up to this big reveal. Yes. <laughs> And then right at the end, he just kind of stops telling the story. Like, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and Larry's like, okay, yeah. and what happened? And his response is, does it matter? Oh. Like, the way he says it is like, why do you want to know what happened? Right, right. Because it's not important. Well, yeah, because you were just telling him the story to help him. I know. You need to tell him this is not important, the ending, because of what I just said here. You know, the me, arrogance. Scott, on the show, what yes. I just explained is the moral of the story. Like, sum it up for him. I Do know. something. Don't I just know. leave it hanging and say, why the fuck are you asking me? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
I can't, oh man, I can't stand this. I, I love nah. George Weiner, but I can't stand this dude. I know. Right? I just, I mean, like, like the the audacity of of leaving someone hanging when you've told them this really cracking Wonderf- story, you know? wonderful, like enthralling uh, tale. I, absolutely, you are your eyeballs. You don't blink. And it, Jimi Hendrix is playing yes! over this montage yes! and this voiceover. It's wonderful. It's so so good. And I I, I get too, just like the thing with Simon Helberg. Um, like what the point of it is that that mm-hmm. uh, that the 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 grand reveal is not the important thing, um, mm-hmm. but you still have to, as you said, make that clear before you start telling me this story because you started this story mm-hmm. as if to tell me that this was going to reveal some truth about your own life, and then you come to the crescendo of it <laughs> and you leave me hanging. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Increasingly unhelpful. These rabbis to, to Larry. And one thing Larry says that I love is why does he make us feel the questions if he's not going to give us any answers? Uh huh. Like my favorite line in the movie. I want. It's wonderful. And who hasn't asked that question before? Yeah. Why? Why is this happening? Yes. <laughs> of course. Um. Right behind your left shoulder mm-hmm. is uh, a book on my shelf called God: A Biography. Um, it's by, nice. uh, by God. It's, it's almost well, it's not an autobiography. It's, yeah, it's okay. not the memoirs of God. Uh, <laughs> it's by a, a former priest named Jack miles. Uh-huh. And he has a chapter about the book of Job. Okay. Um, and one of the things he comments on is that like, this is actually the last part of the actual whole Bible, older new Testament in which God speaks. Okay. It's the last time we hear okay. him speak. And he also talks about God's petulance, you know, mm-hmm. in the story. You know, when Job very understandably wants to know, why have you done this to me? God's response, you know, mainly being that, that, uh, that man can never comprehend, you know, my will. Right. And you have to accept everything I do to you and I'll never give you, you know, any mm-hmm. clarity, um, is totally unacceptable. And whether you feel that way about God or you don't, um, we live in this life. It's all we know. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we constantly want to have answers. Um, whether, whether we're going through something truly traumatic or if it's just a minor annoyance, we always, you know, have that question. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there's no answer. No. Yeah. You'll, Unfortunately You'll not. find out later. Yes. <laughs> and, and the, the really, the totally degenerative part of the, of the problem is that there are people who claim they have answers, but don't give them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I know the answer. I'm not yes, telling you though. Exactly. That's mine. It, that, that's Mm-mm. for me to know. Mm-mm. I am wise, uh, you know, shovel along. Jesus. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there. I mean, right, man. Exactly. I mean, dang. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, but anyway, uh, So what leads up to the rabbis? Let's get into the yes. plot of the yes, movie, we, I guess. We must. <laughs> <laughs> it opens like 100 years ago or something, doesn't it? Yeah. And a guy comes back from selling his geese, I guess. I don't know, to his wife. <laughs> And um, they're in a Polish shtetl. Yeah, and um, he meets someone on the road after his wagon broke down. Uh, that helped him out. It was someone his wife used to know, and he says, "Oh, it was whoever." He tells his wife, "Yeah," and she says, "Um, that guy died like three years ago. That's a dibbic. Yeah, you know that is something we don't want. Right? That's evil spirits, and uh, we don't need that around here." Uh, and then the door knocks, and it is him. He invited him back for soup because he helped him. So now they have this man in the house, and the wife uh, does not want him there. <laughs> a couple things. Uh, a, a very Coen Brothers choice to open your movie with a 10-minute short horror film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with none of the principal cast members that we know. It's an awesome choice, and I'm glad they did it. Mm-hmm. Other thing, when the guy opens the door, 
and Fivish Finkel is standing there, like with these big yellow eyes. It's clearly a demon. Mm-hmm. You know, like like before the guy opens his mouth, you know that that like the wife is right. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, boy, it's it's kind of a scary scene. It is, and uh, they explain to him, "Oh, my wife thinks you're this spirit." You know, uh, and he tries to explain. He laughs it off. He's like, "Oh my god, that's hilarious." She thinks I'm this thing. <laughs> right. uh, no, what happened is I was sick over there, but I I I pulled through, yep. and I've been doing this and whatever. You know, it's like okay, you know, maybe the wife's wrong. Who knows. And the wife out of nowhere stabs this dude in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of a shock. You're uh-huh. like, oh my God, this woman just killed this man. Yeah. She is so convinced he's an evil spirit yep. that she stabbed him in the chest. Um, and he starts laughing about it. Um, that's not the response you would expect from no. a normal person. Right. Um, and there's no blood or anything. And she's like, see, I told you. You know? <laughs> And after a minute or two, he starts bleeding, uh-huh. and he gets up, and it's like, I, 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 I got to go. And he, like, leaves. Um, so do you think he was an evil spirit, yes. or was he not? I, I believe he was. Okay. I think she was right. Okay. Now, I, it doesn't explain why the bleeding happens, but I guess that kind yeah. of fits with the rest of the theme of the film. Well, if he's embodied, yes. you know, in this corporeal form, right. you know, so. Maybe he know. would have, maybe, yeah, it's possible, yeah, if, if the ghost has inhabited you, then, yeah, maybe you would bleed. Yeah. But at the same time we're told throughout the film that we can never know the, the larger answers. Mm-hmm. So whether Fivish Finkel is a ghost or not, I guess we, we, right. Maybe even Joel and Ethan don't know. Yeah. We don't know the answer to these questions. Right. Um, what a, a bold way to move, open this movie. It's incredible. It has nothing to do with anything else nope. except thematically. And it feels like a parable that, that might, might go back centuries, but it's just something that they made up. Oh, they just made up this story. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, I want to know more about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I want to read some of these stories because this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I found out it was just something that they came up with. I was like, damn it. Cool. You know? Um, I think they do that a lot in their films. They do. Like, uh, they make stuff up and say it was real. <laughs> like the whole plot <laughs> like of Fargo? Fargo. Yes, yes. Entirely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, they just do it for fun. I know. Just And, <laughs> what, I, and I love that. assholes they it's, are. They really are, man. Because with the Coens, whether they're doing comedy or drama, especially when they do comedy, I mean, like, they do what makes them laugh, uh-huh. and they trust you to be like them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I appreciate them so much, yeah. you know? Yeah, they're, they're two of the greats. They are. They put um, faith in their audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then it cuts to current day yeah. in 1960s. And um, I love this from the... I think it's the credit sequence. It's just this little light uh, that keeps getting bigger and bigger towards the camera. It's a black background yeah. with a tiny light in the middle, and it keeps getting a little bigger. And we end up getting closer and closer to it, and it's some kind of canal, mm-hmm. like a tube. And then you realize it looks like the inside of an organ or something. Yes. And then it comes out of an ear. <laughs> it's an ear canal. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, right. It's just another really weird, odd thing. Yeah. And it comes out of Larry's son's ear in class because he's listening to like Janice Joplin or something. It's Jefferson know. Airplane. Is it Jefferson Airplane? Yeah. Okay. And uh that's how we get to our main story. Yep. <laughs> I love that. The kid is Larry's son, Danny. He's in Hebrew school and he owes twenty bucks to a bully named uh Vogel. Uh-huh. And uh like all the other kids are are commiserating with him, he gets his his like nineteen sixties transistor Walkman yeah. confiscated mm-hmm. because you know he's listening to it in class exactly, mm-hmm. and 
unfortunately the money he was going to pay to Vogel was in like the pouch of the uh-huh. of the Walkman. Yep. Uh, so he spends the movie trying to get that money back and avoiding Vogel, mm-hmm. um, and also bothering his father with every you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. His dad is going through. F troops not coming hell. in. Yeah. Oh, he calls his dad at work. Yes. While his dad's in the middle of something very important and kind of belittling, and uh, his son calls. Is everything okay? F troops not coming in, Dad. We can only get channel four and five. The like, lady, come walk, on! The lady <laughs> walked into the room <laughs> yeah. saying, "Like, oh, your son's on the phone. It sounds like an emergency." Yeah. Oh, I'll take it. Yes, of course. And it's the whole movie. He just keep his he's hassling his dad about the antenna not working properly, and that's just Ugh. one of the things on this guy's back. <laughs> one of the monkeys on his back is this stupid antenna. Yes, uh, the aerial. Yeah, come on. The the, the larger <laughs> monkey, um, the one that, that they just cannot be pulled off, is the one that kind of drives the, the story forward, uh-huh. which is that his wife, uh, Judith, yeah. played by the amazing Sari Lennox, mm-hmm. um, wants a divorce. Mm-hmm. And it comes completely out of nowhere. She just walks in and says, I don't love you anymore, right. while he's grading papers. Yep. And she already has another man in mind to replace him, which is uh, Cy Abelman, played by Fred Malamed from mm-hmm. uh, In a World. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was Lake Bell's father? Right. Yeah. Man. <laughs> the Okay. He's so very good in this he's movie. He's so awesome. Um, he is a big, hulking guy uh, who wears, mm-hmm. like, uh, leisure suits and, and a, like, a newsboy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, just a gentleman of leisure, kind of. Uh huh. Very soft-spoken. Oh man. And firm. Yeah. In his tone, he's a serious man. He is a serious man. I mean, that, that, that <laughs> that's is what, what they say. It is what you were supposed to aspire to, Cy Abelman. <laughs> uh, I I would not want to be Cy. Abelman. I would. I, I mean, not not in a million years would I want to be this guy. This is a guy who won't. I don't. We don't know this from the story, but from his character, what we see of it. I feel like this is a guy who won't let an argument drop unless he wins it. Uh-huh. And he's not letting anything go any way but his way. Yes. Uh, and he's going to do it by being polite and condescending and overbearing. Yeah. He's never going to be rude. He's not going to raise his voice. But it's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, you're <laughs> going to have to get uncomfortable and deal with it. He is... And he won't go away. Oh, God. <laughs> And, and this is this is way worse than just having a passive aggressive prick of a boss. Uh huh. Yeah. This is someone who is coming in and taking over your life. Mm-hmm. He's taking your wife. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They're going to try to take your children. They're going to try to make you sleep at a motel. They're going to take half your money. They're going to do everything, and it's it's for the best. <laughs> Yeah, God, you 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 channeled Psy so much in that moment, and I was like, oh fuck, I got creeped out for a second because like it's and he uncomfortably touches your hand oh. when he says it. Oh, dude. Oh, <laughs> back the fuck up, Psy. Right. I and mean, Larry's such a pushover. Yes. He's just kind of letting it happen almost. He's just like uncomfortably letting Psy uh, take take over his life and and take all that is dear to him. Um, and what I love is it, the scene in the diner where where they meet. It's like Cy, Larry, and Judith. Like the reason I about sorry, Lennox, her expressions in this movie are so classic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She looks demonic for mm-hmm, the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has like these these uh, pouty lips and these eyes that, that are just like huge and just staring. I mean, mm-hmm. like like they're almost shooting rays. You know, like like <laughs> yes. Uh, and like the way Zod, her the way you know? her hair is you know 
parted and oh yeah. just bobbed around her head. Yes. Uh, it it just like you can't help but focus on those features. Right. Yeah, the hair. Yeah, you're right about mm-hmm. the hair. It's like it's a bigger version of like Stephen Van Zant's toupee mm-hmm. and the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. It's this like this bouffant that, that goes back. It's really something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the major thing. So there's that. Um, he's his kid. We've touched on that. His, uh, his daughter. War, war, his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, hates him. Yeah, she hates his guts uh, <laughs> because she's 14. So. <laughs> That's it just comes with the deal, you uh-huh. know. Yes, of course. That is that is the arrangement that's made when you have uh, kids. Yeah. Um, uh, what am I missing here? The work. Uh-huh. He's up for tenure yeah. at the college, uh, and his. I don't know if it's his boss or if it's just a buddy who's higher up than him. I think it's that. Uh, he keeps stopping in the doorway very, and starts doing a lumberg almost. What you know? is this guy doing? He's just like in the doorway, like. Hey, um, yeah, Larry, uh, just wanted to let you know, um, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Just, <laughs> just wanted to let you know, uh, that we're having the meeting on the, the tenure ship and, um, you know, nothing to worry about. Just, uh, and he keeps uh, going on like that. And, and Larry is, is on the edge of his seat with his eyebrows yeah, raised like, going, just spit it out. Yeah, exactly. What is this? What are you trying to tell me? Yes. What do I, what do I need to worry about? What do I need? What do you need from me? I need this. Uh-huh. You know, and the guy is just, oh my God. Uh, so if you have any, you know, papers you need to submit, you know, before the deadline, not that it's going to affect anything, but if you do, you know, just go ahead and have them in. And I mean, it, it's still all right. I mean. That's what this guy's saying to him. Yes. Like, tell me what you want. Yes. What are you saying? Oh, for <laughs> God's sake. Uh, <laughs> and, and this is the part of, like, the Larry story that I totally identify with because I get this all the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, just at work and stuff like yeah. that. Where, where you're like, you need to just tell me what it is you want from me. I will do what you ask. Uh-huh. But just <laughs> spit it out. It's not going to be uncomfortable for you. It doesn't have to be, you know, like, awkward. I felt weird watching of this course. that's how effective this dude is of course and, and a lot even Cy Abelman I know almost the whole movie you're uncomfortable <laughs> yes and that's how that is so good because that's how Larry feels and we're supposed to be on Larry's side we're uh-huh. supposed to feel what he's going through excellent job Coens yes excellent and like as much as like they they pile on the 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 crap for Larry mm-hmm. um I guess it's kind of almost the same as uh, other uh, themes of, of like what God will, will give you. Um, like God has said in, in places in the Bible that, uh, that I will never put more on you than you can handle. Mm-hmm. So the Coens do that with their film. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're not piling on more than Larry can handle or more than what we can stomach. It's like, oh, okay, come on. You know, like they, they know exactly when to cut it off, when to like make it so that Larry mm-hmm. is, is like seeing a little bit of light somewhere. You know? Yes. Um, and I know this story is something very personal to them. They were wanting to make this movie for a long time. Yeah. Um, is this based on like real life experiences? Maybe they had growing up. Yeah. Are they are they Jewish themselves? Yes. And, they, okay. and they're from Minneapolis. Yeah. St. Louis Park. Right. It's just a Jewish enclave in Minneapolis. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the Greta Gerwig thing with Lady Bird. Yeah. Where, like it's it's just they they took their what what it looked like growing up and then like made their own story. Right. That makes sense because the setting is. Mm-hmm. Probably that they were probably growing up yeah. in the '60s in Minnesota. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it was. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. And and they like you said about the personal thing. I mean, like, so 
they they're famous for making nothing but personal films. Mm-hmm. But the reason they got to make this ultimately personal film was because of the success of No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. And I, I it's weird too with like the studios. I I, I we, we all shit on the studios executives and, and the decisions they make all the time, but I, I feel like sometimes it maybe or maybe I'm being unfair to what they are because I know that like they're they're not idiots and they recognize right. that the Cohen brothers are like exceptional filmmakers and they want to work with them and they want to give them money to do awesome stuff because they know how good this th- mm-hmm. th- these movies are. It's just that like until No Country for Old Men, they had never had like just this this huge box office hit, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, okay, well now you guys can do whatever you like. You've got an Oscar. You've got this, you, you've made us $200 million have at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made a serious man. They, they cast Michael Stuhlbarg. Total departure from yes. the previous film. Yes. And a bunch of people in this movie are, I mean, a lot of them are relatively unknown at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Stuhlbarg had just like started doing a boardwalk empire, but he wasn't, you know, he, he was mostly a stage guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Lennox, no one had heard of her. Uh, Fred Malamed, same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a lot of people who you don't recognize from other stuff. Now, Michael Stuhlbarg has gone on to become awesome. You know, yes, he's he's in everything now, uh-huh. and he's finally getting his credit. You know, his, the the credit he deserves. But yeah, this movie is is totally it's what the Cone Brothers had inside of them for thirty years until they got to make it. Yeah. And it's wonderful. Yeah, it really is. I'm glad they made it. And the other monkey, I guess, is his brother with the yeah. the boil on his neck and all that. And <laughs> Richard Kind. Yeah, yeah, Richard Kind is... <laughs> he's great as Arthur. I know. You know? Um, he's just kind of this guy who... Kind of down on his luck constantly. Yeah. Uh, he's He has no personal skills uh, relating with people. Yeah. Or uh, being social. Uh, so he's kind of just... In the house all the time. He doesn't have his own house. Was he married before? Did he? I feel like he he wasn't. Right. I don't. Yeah, think I don't think it came up. But he seems like the guy. he would have been a divorcee if he was married before. Like yes. I, this guy has nothing going for him. He's just living with his brother and sucking pus out of his neck. Ugh. It's pretty gross. I mean, and he's not an idiot. No, he's very smart. Far from it. But he does some bad things yes. that he shouldn't be doing. And when when. Uh... When the daughter, I think her name's Sarah, gets freaked out because uh, he's, <laughs> Arthur's still in the bathroom, Mom. Well, he has to drain his sebaceous cyst. Uh-huh. An uncle draining a cyst in the bathroom mm-hmm. is nightmare fuel for any kid. He's um, always in there, too. Yes. Mm. Uh, oh, God. It's gross. And the sound of that machine just going... <laughs> yeah. Man. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And Richard Kind like plays a similar character on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. he, oh man, it's it's he's really good at this. He's role. a fantastic yes. comedic actor. He is. He's wonderful in all his stuff, and it, he's not playing it for comedy in this though. Right. He, it's a it's a serious movie, Dave. It, it he's is a, a serious, serious man. A serious man in a serious film. Uh-huh. And and like he is a portraying mental illness. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part. So he's not. He and it's not funny. Anything that happens to his character really right. isn't funny. It is slightly humorous. That people are kind of annoyed with some of the things that come yeah, with him, right? And how they react to things, but he's not the butt of this joke. No. So I'm okay with that. Me too. And it's a Coen Brothers film. You get these weird things in it. Mm-hmm. And I would love a copy of the Mentaculous. Oh um, yes, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I, I'd love to page through it. <laughs> he has this, you know, a notebook filled with just scribblings and numbers and and things. Uh-huh. You know. Um, 
Uh, it doesn't look like it makes much sense, but apparently he's a genius. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it probably... And it works, he says. I know. He says it definitely works. <laughs> and Danny's like, you shouldn't have used the mentacular. Or I don't know. <laughs> And he's like, shut up, shut up. Exactly. <laughs> and Larry's like, wait, wait, it works? I know. <laughs> like this weird card counting device Ex- or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he used it to like cheat at cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is illegal in Minnesota, you know this. <laughs> right. uh, the police bring him back uh-huh. for that. Yeah. And Alan Arkin like is playing Larry's lawyer. He said something about like, yeah, I heard he went to North Dakota. <laughs> I was like, oh Uh-oh. shit! Oh no! You know, man, yeah, that's hardcore. That guy went to North Dakota to play cards. They picked him up, and they're like, he said he just stopped in for a drink, and he's like, <laughs> the lawyer's like, does he even drink? And Larry responds, no. <laughs> it's wonderful. I know, man. It's good. <laughs> so those are the monkeys, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's probably other things. I mean, it's just I mean, there's also, everything is stacking on. Yeah, and, and the neighbors. It, yes, the neighbors, the anti-Semitic, you know, jackass mm-hmm. neighbor. Um, there's, uh, there's that a, flat top jerk. Yes, I hate that, yeah, that guy. Crew cutted idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and then he's got a sexy neighbor next yeah, to him. Yeah, Mrs. Who drives him a, yeah. I thought it was like Raquel Welsh. I so was did like, I. What the? I know they they got a really you know sixties dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I like too that with with Mrs. Samsky, um, how. I like how that's handled because like, yeah, in a lesser film, Larry would have, cause she likes to party. Yeah. Um, she's got weed in there. Her husband is always away. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tries to put the moves on Larry a little bit. Yeah. She's giving him these eyes, right. man. Cause she's lonely and she, she mm-hmm. needs some, some attention. Mm-hmm. And I like how, when we see them doing it, it's just his dream. Yeah. It is his dream. You know, because Larry would never like, no matter, no matter if Mrs. Samsky is throwing herself at him, he would never like actually, I was glad it was the dream. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. It was pointing at this and I guess it's happening, mm-hmm. but it was kind of out of nowhere. It yeah. cuts to them together. Right. We never had that second step leading to it. So yeah, it, it's his fantasy. Yes. It's his dream. I liked that. It was Me good. Too. And it cuts to, she's on top of him. Uh-huh. He's laying there. And then suddenly it cuts to Cy Abelman, like nailing like a coffin lid over him. And, <laughs> you know, and like, okay, yeah, we're in a nightmare now. Okay. Right. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Larry has a couple of dreams. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I guess before we get to the one about Cy, we should say that Cy died. Oh uh, man. You know, I loved this scene. Uh huh. The way they do it is they, they are showing Cy driving a car and they're intercutting between him driving a car and Larry driving a car. And the scene is building all this tension, showing blinkers and traffic, driving a little too fast around a curve. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, something's going to happen. And ultimately, Larry ends up rear-ending the car in front of him uh, because he sees this student who's trying to b- bribe him. Clive, yes. <laughs> There's another monkey on his back. <laughs> And he's like yelling, like, "Oh fuck you, Clive!" Yeah, like, "You little bastard! You little bastard!" And he <laughs> crash. Um, but we never see what happens to Sai. Right. It just shows Sai waiting to turn. Um, so you think, okay, yeah, the, the scene culminated with the the car crash for Larry, and that's that. Mm-hmm. And we get a call. He goes into the office, and he's getting a call from Columbia Record Club. Um, oh, damn, that's right. Another monkey. Oh and he's like, God. I was just in a serious car accident. Dave Dutton. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, nobody was hurt, but yeah, we're okay. And then he's like, okay, good. So you're going to give us our money or what, what's up? <laughs> he keeps pressuring him. And then he gets a call from Danny. He thinks it's about F Troop again in the <laughs> damn antenna. No, mom's upset. She, he comes home 
and uh, finds out Psy died in a car accident. Uh-huh. Uh, what a shock. I did not see that coming. Nope. Not at all. And, uh, and you know, like, Judith is beside herself. Mm-hmm. And uh, to add more to the debits, uh, she wants Larry to pay for the funeral. For Psy's <laughs> funeral! Yeah, oh, my God. I mean... And the divorce is still happening. She wants that get. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> what's she gonna do? Is she gonna remarry a dead guy? I I don't know. I mean, if she wanted a divorce anyway, she it, she it makes sense for her to still want to go through right. with it, right? You know. Um. Yeah. Exactly. It makes sense that yeah, she doesn't just all of a sudden love Larry again. Yeah. But uh, but you know, he still is not allowed in the house. Um. He's still the Jolly Roger with and with. I- uh, I love it. Yeah, with Arthur. <laughs> I love it when they're out to dinner. Larry, his wife, inside. Uh-huh. And um, he says, well, wouldn't it make sense for you just to stay at size? Uh-huh. And they look at him like, what? I know. No. I, <laughs> like, I, that's like, I, it's so... That's what I was thinking the whole time, too. I'm like, why doesn't she just move out with size? Exactly. It would solve so much problems. And Larry brings it up. It makes so much sense. Uh, and it's just, they just look at him like... That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Out of the question, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm taking all of your stuff. Right. Don't you get it? <laughs> Don't you understand? <laughs> yes. It's very, outrageous. Very good. <laughs> very good. Oh, man. And uh, did, did you see the guy um, who, like, Clive's dad, when he when he shows up at the house to try to, like, you know, talk about the bribe? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's uh, Steve Park, I think, is the actor's name. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and he played Mike Yanagita in Fargo. Uh huh. Yep. And there's it's another. Steve Park. Yeah. And the other other cameo, I I don't know. I'll have to check. I should have checked before we started the show. I think the guy playing the Columbia Records guy on the phone is Riley Diefenbach from Fargo, the GMAC guy. He keeps calling Jerry. Oh, it's the same I think voice. It's the same voice. That's awesome. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> That would make sense. Of course. You know, that's a cool little Easter egg. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, man. And then, like, like that scene when Steve Park is there um, harassing Larry again. Right. Like, yeah, my son didn't bribe you, but you better give him a grade. Um, and then uh, you, it's fine. And he's like, yeah, but I'm not keeping the money. And he's like, there's no money. What are you talking about? Like, and he's like, fine. Well, what if I keep it? Yeah, you keep the money. Like, it keeps going around in circles. I know, dude. And there's no way for this guy to get out. And then this fucking buzz cut guy yes. says, is this guy bothering you? Uh, he, he, uh, I, this guy he, served, man. Yes, and exactly. I'm not letting this Asian American harass you. Of course, of course. What the fuck? I hate, I hate it. this neighbor. I, oh, this, this And I'm glad sucks. they make him, they present him that way, yeah. too. I'm glad they do. And I'm glad, too, that, like... I mean, so much of, of our country's history is just that dude. Mm-hmm. Like th- that that's the story that's been told for the last hundred years, and yep. that's the that's the you know principal protagonist of most of these stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's John Wayne. Yeah, of course, Ugh. exactly. Um, this guy does look like an out of shape John Wayne. Kind yeah, of. he does. Yeah. Wh- which you know, most most men who uh, <laughs> who idolize John Wayne, including John Wayne himself, are hideously out of shape. Yes, that's true. You know. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and man, I like at the end, near the end, there's another kind of dream sequence. Yeah. Where, so Arthur's gotten in trouble with the law. So Larry takes him to a lake so he can paddle across in a boat to get to Canada and escape. Yep. Um, I really liked it. And that presents it as like another reality is, is this is really happening. It's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden he's in the lake paddling and his head gets shot 
by a rifle and Rich, it Richard just Kind explodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the camera pans real quick over, and it's this neighbor guy with his son hunting. And it's like, look, there's another Jew. And he looks right at Larry. And he looks at Larry. Son, there's another Jew. Oh. And they aim the guns at him. Oh, <laughs> just God. Like, and then he wakes up again. Another dream. I, I love how the movie does these things. I do, too. And it, I, I will say, though, it's the only one of the dreams that I where I sensed the first time I saw it that, like, that this might be a dream. Okay. Because when, when Larry and Arthur are driving to the, to the lake, th- there's, a, uh, there's a sign that says... Um, Canada this way and it's yeah. just got an arrow there okay. I'm, I'm like huh there's a, there's a forest that just says Canada okay so that that is a good trigger I didn't right. think of that I was like okay so they're going to Canada yeah <laughs> I just thought it was a humorous touch okay, you yeah, know right. which it kind of was funny yeah. but yeah that does signal a dream that's yes. a good idea because it would never just say Canada exactly and, and, it, it's, and it's not even like an interstate sign it's just right. a, it's just a, a piece of wood that says like Canada in white paint yeah <laughs> with an arrow <laughs> yeah that's so awesome um and he gives he gives Arthur the money, the bribe, uh-huh. like here you take it, you know, whatever. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh man, so he still has no answers. No, he still has no answers. No, and he's been trying to see the head rabbi, I guess, Marshak. Yes, is that Marshak. his name? Okay, so um, he eventually sees Marshak, right? Or uh, no, he never he gets go- in. Oh, he goes to see Marshak. Yes. <laughs> I love this. Yes, he sees the secretary outside. Says, "I need to see him. I know he's not." You know, working anymore, and uh, he doesn't see people. But I, I really needed help with him, and I, I know he can help me and guide me. You know, in all his wisdom. And this typical, you know, almost lunch lady like yes. secretary yes. is sitting there looking at him like, "Why are you wasting my time uh-huh. out here, Mister?" <laughs> Gets up, you know, waddles into the office. <laughs> she takes her time. Uh-huh. She's just going. Yeah. You, you can see the camera stays outside in the lobby. The door open, and you see the you see Marshak sitting way back at his desk. And the lady just walks up there, kind of you know puts her hand on her hip and says something to him. <laughs> Waits a minute, walks back out to where the camera is. <laughs> it says he's busy. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry goes, he doesn't look busy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and she says. He's thinking. That's her response to him. Um. Okay. Sure. Yeah. It's this so, guy's not busy. It's fucked up <laughs> as hell. I mean, like this guy, and in true again, like such a consistent theme for this movie. We we know that the third rabbi is going to be the one who helps Larry, right? It should be. You know, and we've been told by everyone in the film that Rabbi Marjak yes. is is a. Uh, an insanely wise man mm-hmm. who has all of the answers, even though he doesn't really do much anymore. He still just, all he does is like, you know, congratulate mm-hmm. boys when they've had their bar mitzvah. That's yep. all we know. Mm-hmm. And when we see him in there and Larry just pleading with this woman, can I please just get in there and see this guy for five seconds? I just want to ask him a couple of questions mm-hmm. and it doesn't <laughs> happen. No, you know, you don't get the answers. Mm-hmm. And what ultimately happens is Danny, his son is having his bar mitzvah. Yeah. And he, he goes and sees Marshak. Like, so we do get interaction with Marshak here. Right. In the Marshak section, because you get your title card. I, I love the title cards. Me like, too. The one pops up halfway through the movie. The first rabbi. Yes. And just that sentence <laughs> is so funny. I love it. The first rabbi. Right. Oh, yeah. So he's going to see a bunch of rabbis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're in for, yeah, we're, we're in for a treat. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so you get Marshak, and uh, he has the... 
the iPod, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> he has this 1960s Walkman, you know, transistor radio. Uh-huh. Um, and he gives it back to Danny. And I forget what he says to him, but... He... he d- you don't remember what he said? I don't know. I don't remember what he said. Okay, so. well, so we, we were denied the wisdom of Rabbi Marjac, mm-hmm. you know, from Larry's encounter. But we now are in the inner sanctum. We're in his office. Mm-hmm. And Danny sits at the at the table, and we're about to hear the great man speak. Okay. Oh, I think I know what he says. Yeah. And he starts reciting Jefferson Airplane mm-hmm. lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's it. And I think he tells him to be a good boy. Yeah. That's his wisdom. Mm-hmm. And gives him the, the iPod back, and that's that. <laughs> I mean... And Danny's high this whole time, by the way. Danny that's a did whole his bar mitzvah high. I cannot believe it. I mean... He he pulled through though. I know. He did it. Yeah. They, they they hand him um the uh, I don't I'm not sure what that what that uh, scepter is called. It's like it, a little pen or something. Right. That, it's, like, it's something to, to read because you're not allowed to touch the letters on the Torah. Yeah. Um. You have to like use this um this this scepter looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And he grabs it, <laughs> and his eyes. Are, they, it's really <laughs> it's a good, good performance. Makeup. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good performance it for is. him too, because you can get very overplayed. Right. He's when you're doing, doing scenes while you're high. He doesn't do half-baked. He's yeah. not Jim Brewer up there. Yeah, he, yeah. He's like really underplaying it. They just they just redden up his eyes and he looks like, you know, he's stoned. It looks real. Like he could actually be high. Right. Yeah. Well, and then it's good. He <laughs> I don't know if he like does his Torah reading from memory or if he actually is reading the letters, you know, on the on the scroll, mm-hmm. but he manages to power through it. He pulls it off. Right. Good job. Um and that's after uh, second rabbi, played by George Weiner, gave another terrible sermon. Um, like <laughs> he's great in this. Movie. At least he I, didn't I... talk about a parking lot. Exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah. God. Right. <laughs> uh, um, that's one thing I really like. That little subplot about Danny and all his friends are always getting high and oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I love those little scenes they throw in mm-hmm. with him and his little buddies yes and they're always cussing give me that like, fucker like give me the fucker talking about that joint they got fucker they is say their, fucker yeah. every third word it's it's their favorite word <laughs> and it's it's a wonderful use of it too because i don't i don't hear the word fucker by itself very often in films yeah you know me neither and the first time we really get it is they're on the bus and they're talking about how he owes this money and all this yeah. stuff and this uh, the kid like sitting behind him is just like oh yeah he's a fucker yeah and like they mentioned a couple names and he's like, well, who this guy or this guy? And he goes, they're both fuckers. Yep. It's just like, <laughs> this guy has to say fucker yep. all the time. It's his mantra. Yeah. He, he likes to say that word. And and there's that shot of them in the bathroom before the, the ceremony. And you see their feet under the bathroom stalls and you know, they're smoking and <laughs> yes. they, you just hear this one kid go, give me the fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, and they pass the fucker right before the yeah. bar mitzvah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Yep. Pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. I know. I guess. Um, but there's one thing during the movie, like we've talked about Larry and his tenure. He's like a math professor, I guess, at this university. Physics. Physics. Yeah. Physics. Yes, it's physics. But you got to know your math. Yes. To know the physics. <laughs> That's a great scene there. But um, he's like explaining... Like the uncertainty principle on the chalkboard, uh-huh. and this scene where he does it—it's kind—it's like another dream actually. Yep. He's in this giant lecture hall, and it's—it starts with an, uh, a close-up of him in the chalk writing on the board. Right. So you just see like this little section he's writing. There's other, you know, mathematics all around, all around him, and he's talking and explaining how it proves that you can't ever really know what's going on. Mm. And he turns around, 
and it cuts to a long away shot, a far away shot of the lecture hall, and this like three hundred foot wide blackboard just filled with chalk. Yep, it's a, it's a funny cut, like a jump cut joke, um, but it also has so much meaning because the whole film's about you never really know what's going on. Of course, um, and then it, the class starts to leave, and Cy Abelman is sitting there, you know, a, a deceased Cy. Yes, you know, basically telling him, you know, you suck. Right, I'm taking your shit. And it culminates with him. At first, he's being gentle, like he is being very uh-huh. sly. He's, you know, like being very direct, but also like uh, telling him being aggressive. Uh-huh. And then, and totally out of character for Sai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Definitely dream. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know it's a dream because he all of a sudden appears like right by. Right next to him. Right by Larry. And he's shoving his head into the chalkboard saying, I smashed your it. wife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, too, with, with that, that big chalkboard. With um, you know, with all that math all over it, and mm-hmm. and in, and the solution to this mathematical proof is we don't know what's happening. Yeah. So all this mental <laughs> masturbation for no reason. Yep. You know, it's all for shit. You, you could either die today or you could live forever, and it doesn't matter. Yep. I, I love that scene. I do too. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, so now the movie is kind of reached its climax. Yeah. Um. Things are kind of starting to get better now. You know, uh, Danny's gone through his bar mitzvah. Yeah. Uh, he's got his money back. You know, Michael Stuhlbarg is now, he's got the tenure. He's about to get tenure. He's about to get the tenure yeah. because his, you know, Lumberg comes back yeah. and says, you know, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, you know, letters aren't going out till Thursday, but you'll be pleased, yes, you know, and pleased. it's good news, right, you know? Right. Um, so things are kind of starting to be good. Yep. Like right here at the very end of the movie. And then... Um, he gets a call from his doctor saying uh, he needs to come in and talk about those test results. And he asks, why can't we do it over the phone? And he says, well, I think it'd be better if you come in and we do it uh, in person. You know, bad news is going to come. And then there's a, a tornado coming towards the school, uh-huh. um, which is very odd. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah, um, I know. I, I don't fully know what it means yet, but the movie ends with, him trying to give the 20 bucks back to Fogel and uh, he looks at him and there's this tornado like a couple hundred feet away from all these kids just standing there. Right. And Fogel looks at him and then they all look up at the tornado coming at him. Um, it's not close enough to hurt him yet, right. but it's coming. Right. And they're just standing there. And that's the end of the movie. I, I wish I knew what it meant. Yeah. Um, and I wish I knew what they were trying to, to, to get across to us with Larry finally his life turning some kind of a corner because even with the tenure thing, it's also after the bar mitzvah, Judith seemed like she was kind of warming to him somewhat. Yeah. Uh, because they were so proud of their son for, for, you know, his, uh, right. And instead the, the doctor giving him bad news mm-hmm. or, or what seems like it's going to be bad news. And we can't do it over the phone because you have okay. to come to my office. Um, that's true. It could be good news. It could be. I, I don't know. Probably not. Right. But, we don't know the answers, Dave. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> yeah. And God is not going to reveal these things to us yeah. because it's in his power. Was that God on the phone telling uh, him he has to talk to him? It's possible. Okay. It's possible. I mean, who knows? Uh, okay. Larry has not been faithful. You know, Larry has, uh, you know, been fantasizing about sex with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the tornado's coming. Uh-huh. Uh, that, and it just leaves you hanging. I know. You know? I guess that's 
the theme of the movie. Of course. You don't know what's going to happen in life. Right. So let's just leave you here with this cliffhanger, this George Weiner cliffhanger. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) And and on top of that, if you think back to that scene where where Steve Park shows up, um, like, so Larry is dealing with the problem of God not revealing why he's ruining his life. Mm -hmm. Rabbi's not being able to decipher why God is ruining his life. And now you have this other guy um, who's just giving circular logic about the bribe stuff. Uh huh. Um, everybody, everybody who Larry encounters, he is kind of the Omega man here. Like he's the only one who understands, uh, kind of how the world works mm-hmm. and no one around him can give him an answer to even the simplest question. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess we've all been there. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one has the answers, Dave. Of course not. You know, and, and they never will. And, uh, life is shit. Yeah. <laughs> this happened. <laughs> this happened sometimes. Yes. So uh, anything else you want to get to? Um, let's see. Of all the great Cy Abelman lines in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, when they're sitting at the cafe and they mention the Jolly Roger as a place for Larry to go, Cy Abelman says, oh, yes, Larry, the Jolly Roger is eminently habitable. <laughs> it's... <God. laughs> There's a ton of great lines in this movie. I mean, it's one of the best scripts they ever wrote. It might be my favorite script, other than The Big Lebowski, because I, you know, well, you know what? It's 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 as good or better than The Big Lebowski. The only reason I like Lebowski so much is because I've I've kind of like memorized that movie. Yeah, and it's a cult film. Mm-hmm. But this one, I would love for it to have a midnight, uh, you know, like cult around mm-hmm. it. If people were going to the Tivoli to see a serious man <laughs> during the summertime, that would be something, you know, getting all dressed up. Exactly. Like, yes. If you yeah, had a side woman who's like Dr. Frankfurter, you know, <laughs> yeah, people are right. performing yeah. like that. That would be so sweet. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so uh, what do you think? Oh yeah. This what is five think? stars. Five stars. Yeah. Okay. Easily five stars. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going four. Oh, I, I know, Dave. Holy shit, really? But what I told you was, if I watched it again, I'd probably it'd probably be my favorite movie. You did say, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you did say that. It has a four stars right now. Okay. Let's wait a little bit. <laughs> okay, all right. I just watched it the other day. Give me time to process more. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's a very strong four uh, with a one-up right next to it. Good. So uh, good. There you go. So they just Cohen's got to just get that yeah, mushroom. Yeah, get that mushroom. Right. You know, I'm sure Danny's got some in his drawer. Yeah, or Danny's definitely hooked up. Yeah, get that fucker. You know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, definitely. This is a fantastic movie. Absolutely. Um, so uh, that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and iTunes, rate it, review it. Most of all, share it. Get some more dudes listening to the dudes. And if you don't use iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I got it. Yeah. Uh, a little late, though. But mm. uh, you can find us on any other podcatcher, better ones. <laughs> and uh, or go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yeah, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Right. And we have a voicemail, 304-804-DUDE. And call in with your answer to the question of the week. Question of the week. Uh, this one, guys. Just think back. What's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? We want to know why. And just just name them all off. If you like all of them, tell us. Yeah. Give us the reasons. Yes. Because uh, they're all so good. I know. Almost all of them. Uh, so um, stay tuned next week when we do 1996's Independence Day, directed by Roland Emmerich and starring <laughs> Will Smith, Bill Pullman, and Jeff Goldblum. That's right. Yeah. It's freedom season. Uh-huh. So uh, we're doing this one. <laughs> 
I love this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. I know. It'll, it's going to be fun to talk about, so stay tuned for that. Right. And until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>